I feel like worship is a huge weapon, even in turning people's hearts uh, towards the God of Israel. If you look at Israel through a political lens, you're going to end up hating either Arabs or Jews or both. It burdens my heart not for people to be pro-Israel but for people to be pro-God. With all of the tensions and the chaos right now in the Middle East and all of the opinions that we all hear about on social media and in the news, where one side is pro this and one side is pro that, what we wanna do today is unpack revelations that scripture has about God's covenant with Israel and the Jewish people, his love of Israel, his love of the Jewish people, but not just the Jewish people, his love of all nations and what he calls us to as believers to love all nations. And I want you to join me as I talk to Scott Volk, who is with Together for Israel. So we're gonna pack that today in this episode. This is Worship Is My Weapon with me, Rita Springer. You're known for what you what you do with Together for Israel. And I think for me, the thing that's really shocking to me is the lack of the lack of information and facts that the younger generation yeah. has absolutely no clue about yeah. with regard to Israel. And so I I really want to include um, the ability to, maybe it's in layman's terms, I don't know, just to have you explain almost the, the geographical content of why that land is so important in, in also a way that young people, because it, it is flooring to me, and I'm talking young Christians, I'm talking like even people in the worship community that have no idea why we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And if I hadn't gone with you on several trips to Israel, I might not really even have an understanding of the value of it myself. But I've kind of grown up with with a, a endearing love for the Jewish people because my Messiah came from there, because yeah. my my scriptures, the the very foundation of my belief system, comes from there. And so, so I, that's where I'm just like, I got to get Scott on here and have Scott just kind of lead us through some factual content that brings clarity to some of this massive, ridiculous confusion of people not knowing their stuff. Great. Great. Well, I, I don't consider myself an expert. I do consider myself somebody that's carrying uh, a heart, a, a, a biblical heart and paradigm that is you can't really argue against it if people are going to look at it from a geopolitical perspective they might they might have some things to say that are super negative towards one side and super positive towards another side i think the last thing that the young generation needs are flag waving people, whether it's Israel flags or Palestinian flags, yeah. saying free Palestine or you know get rid of Pal. No, no, no. What what it has yeah. to be is a biblical paradigm. Let let's be waving the biblical flag yeah. and saying, okay, listen, if we do that, we're going to love the Palestinian people and we're going to love the Jewish yeah. people. If we don't do that, we're going to hate one, 
and we're going to miss out on God's heart for the nations. Anyway, I don't, Yeah. That that's my perspective. So I, I, I hope what, you know, I hope anything that I add to what you're doing is going to be an encouraging thing, especially for that generation, Rita, because that's the ones that need to be touched. Because I really feel like in that younger generation is a heart for justice. And when yes. they perceive injustice, they're going to side on who they view the aggressor to be. Yeah. And if we're not viewing the enemy as the aggressor, we're going to turn against some people somewhere. And really our, our, the thing that we need to be turning against is for the demonic agenda to wipe out Israel and the demonic agenda to hate the Palestinians on both sides. And it's, it's, it's crucial. So yes, let's reach that generation and I'm all for it. Well, how, how do you, I mean, you're, you're a, uh, a Jewish man that's married to an Arab for crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's still, that still kind of blows my mind that, I mean, you're coming at this from such a neutral, but, um, you know, fact-based scripturally understanding why the importance is there. Can you yeah. bring us through just the lineage of what we're talking about here with that tiny piece of land? I, I yeah. think they say it's no bigger than New Jersey. Yeah, right. So think about this, Rita. God is a God of life. There's no death in God. When when you and I walk through those pearly gates, hopefully a long time from now, yeah. we're not going to see a cemetery. We're not going to see doctor's offices up there. We're not going to see sickness. When God created the heavens and the earth, it was all good. He's the God of life. But he said, to Adam and Eve, of any tree that you may eat, you can eat of any of them. But if you eat of this tree, yeah. the day you eat of it, you surely will die. We all know the story. They partook of that tree because the enemy came and said, surely you will not die. Once sin and death were introduced into the world, God went into action to overcome sin and death, ultimately by sending his son, Jesus, or Yeshua, Yeah to come and conquer sin and death. But he needed a people that he could choose for that one to come through. So think about this. In Genesis 3, he cursed Satan and said, one is coming that will crush your head. Once that one was determined, was going to come through Abraham, who God chose in Genesis chapter 12, God said to Abraham, through you, Abraham, all the nations... Nations means Gentiles. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. So God chose one nation to bless every nation. And he chose one people, the children of Israel, to be the one through whom that Messiah would ultimately come. So let's just look back in history. When did the persecution of Israel and the Jewish people start? Not when Israel became a state in 1948, that persecution started as soon as God chose that people. So look back, the book of Exodus, you've got Pharaoh. He wants to eliminate the people of Israel. Why? Because they were, quote unquote, occupying a land. (laughs) Absolutely not. They were in Egypt. They didn't even have their land yet. Pharaoh wants to wipe them out. The reason they want to wipe, he wants to wipe them out, a demonic agenda, because God chose that nation through whom the Messiah would come. Then you have Haman, In the book of Esther, who says, we need to wipe out, annihilate, totally get rid of these Jewish people. And ultimately, interestingly, Rita, 
Both Pharaoh and Haman died by the very means that they chose for Israel to be annihilated. Pharaoh wanted, Pharaoh wanted the Jewish boys, you know, drowned in, 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 in water. He yeah. ends up drowning in water. Haman wanted the Jewish people annihilated, so he built a gallow. He ended up hanging on that gallow. You've got Herod in the New Testament. That's right, yeah. You know, kill, kill every Jewish boy under two years old. Why? Because the Messiah was coming. And it's not just that these people were bad people. It's because the enemy did what he could to keep God's promise of that Messiah from coming. And then after he came, he died, he resurrected, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and he made life available to all nations. But it's really interesting because when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he said a couple of crazy things that many people might think is very ethnocentric. He said, salvation is of the Jews. He said, I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So there are people that might think, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Jew, Jew, Israel, Israel for God's into the nations. Exactly. But he chose one nation to bring salvation to every nation. So ultimately, what I see here, Rita, is God's love for mankind, Jew and Gentile alike, coming through the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, and Jesus is coming back. But where is he coming back to, Rita? He's not coming back to Nashville or Charlotte or Los Angeles. He's coming back to Israel. He's going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. You and I were there together. I'll never forget that trip. Jesus cares for Israel. God cares for Israel. The apostle Paul cared for Israel. And we can go through some of those scriptures, but ultimately what I see is a demonic agenda to wipe Israel off the map as early as Pharaoh, and it's continuing on today. You live in Nashville. Who's calling for Nashville to be wiped off the map? I live in Charlotte. Who's yeah. saying, let's, let's ridge? No, it's, it's a piece of land chosen by God. No wonder all demonic forces in hell are out to see that land completely wiped out. Well, and... and- the importance of the land. I mean, that, why can you break down what, what is the big deal about Gaza Strip? Yeah. Yeah. Can you break that down for us? Because I think that's a massive confusion for people that don't even understand what the deal is. Yeah. Well, there's, um, the whole geopolitical situation there is something that I am, uh, I'm just giving my perspective on. This is my perspective, but, I'll I'll point to the scriptures in one second. Uh, Gaza right now is being led by a terrorist organization. And if there's anybody that wants to dispute that, um, then I really, (laughs) I don't need, I don't, I don't have words. I can't, to say it's not a terroristic organization, uh, you'd have to be blind. What happened in Israel on October 7th, filmed by the terrorists themselves and gladly shown to every nation of the world. I mean, those videos are vile. (laughs) They are vile, but they gladly showed them to everybody so that what they were doing, their agenda was no longer hidden. You know, uh, it it blows me away. When you think about this, Rita, (laughs) your, your worst days 
are not the days that you're going to be, you know, uh, taking selfies of yourself. Uh, you, you know, if, if you mess up while you're singing a song, that's not going to be a highlight video for you on your, on your YouTube channel. Uh, but then again, I'm not sure you've ever messed up a song because I'm one of your biggest fans. But we don't, we don't do that unless there's some kind of demonic agenda there. The people in Gaza are people who the Lord came to save, just as any other yeah. people in the world. God loves them. We love them. I'm a Jew. Uh, I love the Palestinian people. I love the Arab people. Like you said, I'm... <laughs> to one. My kids, my kids have, you know, a little bit of Isaac and a little bit of Ishmael in them. I I love that. I'm not conflicted at all where the people of Gaza are concerned. Where I'm conflicted is when there are people who are siding with an organization that wants to see God's people annihilated. It's the spirit of Pharaoh. It's the spirit of Haman. It's the spirit of Herod. It's the spirit of Hitler. Wipe out the Jews. So there's an interesting scripture, if if you don't mind me uh, just going to this. Absolutely. Okay. Psalm 105. Listen to this. Verse eight. Speaking of God, he has remembered his covenant forever. And by the way, let me just insert this. When God makes a promise I am so thankful that he keeps his promises to a thousand generations. I don't care what ethnicity you are. This has nothing to do with Israel. This has everything to do with God. He's a covenant keeper. He keeps his promise. He's remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an ever- Lasting covenant, everlasting means lasting forever, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion of your inheritance. We can't get more clear than that. God chose one piece of land. And by the way, Rita, if I was God, I wouldn't have chosen Israel. It's a barren wasteland. That's what God chose he didn't choose San Diego with the palm trees and 70 degree weather with no uh, humidity. He chose a honking desert. Yes. Excuse my, my, <laughs> a desert. Yeah. He chose a desert, a barren wasteland for his people. That's why it's important. That's why the devil is doing everything he can to get it. There's nothing, there's nothing naturally uh, desirous of that piece of land. When Mark Twain uh, went to Israel, he wrote, you know, who would want to live in this God-forsaken, barren wasteland? But as soon as God chooses something, it becomes a threat to the devil, just like the Jewish people. He didn't choose them because they were the greatest. The Bible says they were the, they were the least. So, so the issue is God chose it. And when God chooses it, all forces of hell are against you. You know, uh, the book of Proverbs says the adulteress hunts the precious life. Any life that's marked by God, you can, you can very well be assured that Satan's going to have his crosshairs on you to do what he can to get you to stumble or fall. That's the ultimate issue that I see where the Gaza Strip 
or Israel is concerned. You can talk to people smarter than I that can give you the history of what was given to Israel and the British mandate and the offer for a two-state solution. And it's it's pretty much historical, and you can read that. Uh, but regardless of what history says, I go back, I go back to God giving the people of Israel the tiniest sliver of land. But you know what's interesting, and then I'll, I feel like I'm yapping a little no, bit, but I'll just I'll, I'll tell you this and I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Uh, here's what's interesting. Israel is like a, it's like a little pimple on a map surrounded yes. by huge, huge nations that all want to see them wiped out. And you know what? Israel's still there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, think about it. How crazy is that? And is that because they've got the most brilliant commanders in their armies? No, it's there because when God makes a promise, you can take him at his word. Israel will never not, sorry for the double negative, be there because God will never not remember his promises. So I don't, I don't know if I made that clear or if I'm just yapping. No. So, okay. In regards to that, what, like what biblically, how does the Bible point to actually what's happening now? Um, that's warlike because when I've read scriptures, I mean, like it's, you know, when justice was in, in school, taking Bible courses in Christian school, he would tell me that the Bible was the most savage book he'd ever read (laughs) (laughs) because of all of its wars and all of its, you know, uh, pillaging where in like in, in just common terms, how you're talking about evil versus good. That's right. What God's hands on, what God's hands not on and what God's hands on will always be what God's hand is on. So, the reflection in scripture of what's happening now is it is is war you know what does the scripture say about war and how this is going to end yeah thankfully it's going to end with life uh god is a god who brings life to the dead uh, you and i had a little text interaction uh, a few days ago, and we were talking about the Valley yes. of Dry Bones, yes. right? Uh-huh. And uh, that is, you you can't get much more dead than that, Rita. It's not like resurrecting a body that's three days old, although that is, that's, that's a miracle. You've been in the grave for three days, yeah. you rise again. Lazarus is a miracle. Jesus, obviously uh, a miracle. It, you see dead people coming to life in scripture, but never do you see a valley of bones that weren't even connected in a skeleton kind of way. These bones were scattered, so it's not like, oh, there's a, there's a skeleton, let's raise him, although that would be a miracle. Yeah. You've got bones that are disconnected. Who knows you know, if, if, if this arm bone is, is the right arm? No, it's dead, dead, dead. And God says, breathe, breath, son of man. Speak to these bones and these bones shall live. And then it's not just like this weird, wild dream. God says these bones are the people of Israel. And he's going to raise them up into a mighty army. And he's going to put his spirit in them. So, So the end of the story with wars, with battles, if we look at the end, uh, it's always 
life. There's this crazy cycle through scripture. You've got chaos, you've got emptiness, you've got nothingness, and then you have life. It started with God breathing on some dust, if you can imagine. Uh, he, he takes dust from the earth and yeah. blows his breath of life into it, and man becomes a living soul. So the pattern doesn't surprise me. I look forward to the end. I look forward to a river of life. You know, the streams make glad the city of God, the tree of life. That's, that's how it ends. And think about this in Jerusalem, a new Jerusalem with life. So what happens between uh, man sinning and eating of the fruit and death coming? Well, that is, it's just the pattern over and over and over in scripture. So I, I, I'm not going to be surprised by any demonic uh, plan to try to wipe out the people of Israel or any other people group yeah. for that matter. You know, Jesus would that none would perish. That's the Lord. That's God. He would that none would perish and he offers everlasting life. So the big question to me is how are we, the church, the people of God, Jew and Gentile alike, how are we supposed to respond and what sort of attitude and disposition should we be taking? And I, I to be quite honest with you, I love that you, as as a uh, a person of amazing influence uh, and very motherly to so many, are taking an interest in something like this. Because let me tell you what's going to happen, uh, and I'm no prophet, but as soon as you choose to air something along these lines, watch out for number one, people unfollow you, no big deal. Yeah. People writing. You know, Rita, if I could read you the vile messages that I've received from people who call themselves Christians, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it it just it'll it'll blow you away. So I think that's where because I've I've had to delete a number of accounts. I mean, I don't get into it with people because I just I won't um, I won't. Just that there's, it's useless to get into conversations like that with people like that. Most of them yeah. are bots, you know, just people that <laughs> right. make up accounts to do stuff. So it's easy just to delete them, but kind of literally floored by, um, by the response or, or just even the, you know, I think we were talking the other day. I, I literally sat dumbfounded by somebody's response how can you be a follower of Jesus and support Israel? And yeah. I just was like, wait a second, am I in the twilight zone? Right. And I think that's where my, my, there's almost like a, I want to, I don't want to call it fear, but because it's almost, it's just riddled with almost an unbelievable, like, I cannot believe we're here that, yeah. that there is such ignorance in in our Christian faith, that we are following a, a messianic Messiah who comes from Israel, whose scriptures are all based in that region, and everything that you're saying is the covenants are all based in that region, but yeah. they they cannot see that. What has happened to the church? that we can no longer see the bloodline of the Messiah. That is my, that, that is like a, I just, 
I, uh, the question that surrounds me is like, what has happened? Has evil so predominated our, our influences in whatever social media or whatever opinion that we've lost sight of the bloodline of the Messiah? It's crazy. I, I wrote a book a number of years ago called Jesus Was Not a Christian. And people, uh, they would they would say, how can you say he wasn't a Christian? And I'm like, uh, duh, there was no Christianity when Jesus came. He didn't come to start a new religion called Christianity. He came to fulfill everything that was written about him in the law and the prophets of a coming Messiah that would conquer sin and death. That's why Jesus came. So what happened, unfortunately, is Early on, we lost sight in the church of God's heart for Israel and, and had like, like church fathers, people. Can, can I, I just happen to have some quotes here. Can I read yeah, it? Can yeah, I read absolutely. one or two of them to you? Yeah. I'm, I'm just look, looking them up while I'm talking. Okay. This is St. John Chrysostom. He was called Golden Mouth, one of the most well-known preachers from, uh, he lived from 344 to 407. So you're talking about less than 400 years after Jesus walks the face of the earth. Listen to what he says. Yes, the Jews are accursed because of their odious assassination of Christ, a crime for which there is no expiation possible, no indulgence, no pardon. Indeed, God hates the Jews and always hated the Jews. How about this one? Peter the Venerable. I just happen to have these quotes on my desk. I never even thought I was going to be talking about this today. You, you Jews, I say, do I address you? You who till this very day deny the son of God. How long, poor wretches, will ye not believe the truth? Truly, I doubt whether a Jew can be really human. I'll just read one more to you. Martin Luther the great reformer. Yeah. Jewish synagogues should be set on fire. Their homes should be broken down and destroyed. They should be deprived of their prayer books and Talmuds. Their rabbis must be forbidden to teach under the threat of death. Like I am just even reading this. It's like what happened? And what happened is that in the same way that the Lord placed a partial blindness over the eyes of Israel because of their rejection of Jesus. The devil has placed a demonic yeah. uh, illusion, delusion over the eyes of the church to who Jesus is. Because ultimately, Rita, regardless of anybody's end time eschatology, Jesus cannot return to Jerusalem until Israel welcomes him back. He, he wept over Jerusalem. Yeah. He, he cried he said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, you know, I, I was reading recently in 2 Samuel, remarkable, King David was outside of Jerusalem because Absalom had taken over. People were done with David and Absalom dies. And somebody goes to David and says, you need to come back. And, and David goes, I'm not coming back until my brothers welcome me back. I am not coming back to Jerusalem until my brothers welcome me back. And so they went, and the Bible says, in, in a united voice, say, return, O king. 
That's what Jesus is waiting for, the greater David, for Israel to cry out, return, O king. No wonder the devil doesn't want that to happen because when Jesus comes back, that ultimate crushing of his head that we started off talking about in Genesis 3, he's done. The devil is done. That's what's so important about the land. That's why all forces of hell want, um, want Israel out of there and that nation destroyed. So may we recover the apostolic heart of Paul. You know what I tell people to do? Romans 9, 10, and 11, three amazing chapters. I call it my 9-11 challenge. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11 and say, God, open my heart to receive Paul's apostolic burden. Because through those chapters, Rita, he, he says, did Israel stumble so as to fall? He said, may it never be impossible. But what many people in the church are saying now is Israel fell. They lost their right to be called God's children. And now we, the church, get all the blessings that were promised to Israel in the Old Testament. Unfortunately, Israel's left with the curses. Everything that God cursed, that's, that, that goes to Israel now. We're Israel. We're the people of God. And, and it, it's so, so sad. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 9, had unceasing sorrow and grief in his heart. The same, the same dude that said, rejoice in the Lord always, lived with this unceasing sorrow because of the lostness of the children of Israel. And uh, I wish we saw more of that sorrow in the church today because we don't recognize that uh, without Israel and the Jewish people, we'd have no Messiah. Well, I mean, kind of what you're saying too is like, it's, it, it almost seems like, and maybe I just, sometimes I, I, I'll have these conversations with the Lord where I'm like, how come I see this so plainly, but other people are so blind right. to it. And I, I, I do believe part of that is when you are connected in relationship with Jesus and you're communicating with Jesus, he'll actually tell you what's where, which direction to head, what to, and so I'm, I'm, while I'm grateful for that, it's still such a sting to see a people who call upon the name of the Lord, but don't seem to realize that while there's human opinion, it's not God's opinion. Right. And it's, it's, we, the words were written down in scripture as, God's voice, but all of a sudden man's opinion is now becoming greater than the sound of God's voice, which is in scripture and has, and has stood the test of time. And I, I, I think it's why it's almost inconceivable that we're having the conversations that we're having with people and that I'm, uh, that you're, you're people are responding the way that responding when yep. It's it's primarily opinion. It's like evil hates good. That's right. pretty. I mean, that's pretty standard. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? It's like it's a pretty standard thing. And so it's like, well, look, look where the good is, and you'll realize why evil hates it so much because good is actually good and evil is actually evil. That's but we're right. living in a day where people are defending evil. And saying good is not good. And I, I, it's just unfathomable to me 
that we're in this and and it's it's the church the the world I understand Scott I understand you know unsaved lost people responding to political to news media to all that stuff if if you're raging over here you're going to rage over here that's not it really is the trembling in my bones for the church and the youth i mean the yeah. young people the young christians that just have no idea the foundations that they're standing on to defend yep. it yeah i you know it's almost as if paul foresaw this 2000 yeah. years ago and he wrote listen to this scripture romans 11:25 i do not want you to be uninformed some versions say ignorant. I do not want you to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not become wise. Some versions say conceited in your own estimation. If we don't grab this, we become wise. We become the know-it-alls. We're the ones who give our opinions and, and our are. opinions are right. What's the mystery? That a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the nations comes in and then all Israel shall be saved. Ignorance leads to arrogance and conceit. It's right there. So when we're uninformed of this mystery that Paul talked about, about Israel, that they haven't stumbled, that a partial blindness has come on their yeah. eyes because of their rejection of Jesus. When we do that, I'm telling you, we oppose the Lord. What's that scripture? I think it's in James. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So the people, especially, I love that your heart is for the younger generation, as is mine. And there's something so really cool about that generation. It's they love justice. Yes. I, 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 I love justice. I love your justice, mm -hmm. and I love God's justice. And here's the deal. When we view things through a political lens. I don't know if, if we were recording this earlier, but it's worth repeating if we, if we were. If you look at Israel through a political yeah. lens, you're yeah. going to end up hating either Arabs or Jews or both. If you look at Israel through a biblical lens, you'll end up loving both Arabs and Jews. And here's, here's what's beautiful about the Lord. God doesn't love me because I'm Jewish more than he loves you because you're not. He loves us both equally. In the Messiah, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Yeah. There's one new man. And we are the body of the Messiah. We are the church, yeah. capital yeah. C. So what people try to do is they try to make this a war between Jews and Arabs. No, that's not it at all. When we look at this from a justice perspective, depending on which, which view you're taking, if, if, if you're quote unquote pro-Israel, and I hate that terminology, mm. then you're going to say, you know, these people want us destroyed. We can't love them. We can't do this. Uh, uh, we, uh, pro-Israel, you know, we, we, we can have nothing to do. Arabs are bad. Jews are good. If you're looking from a pro-Palestinian perspective, the Jews in Israel are bad. Yeah. We're good. Have mercy on both sides are crying out for mercy. You know, see it from my perspective. Well, 
we're going to be in a bad, bad situation if we're looking through that lens because we're going to miss the lens of the Lord. Should Palestinian people be loved and cared for? A hundred percent. Should Jewish people be loved and cared for? A hundred percent. Why? Because they're Jewish? No, because they're God's children just as much as any non-Jewish person is. We've got to We've got to care for people as much as God would care for them. However, it's very different when your neighbor wants to set your house on fire. It's very different when your neighbor wants to see your children destroyed. How do you live? So make the, let's make the, I'm crying out to everybody under 40 right now. Let's, if for both sides, If there's this anger against Palestinians and hatred towards Arabs, we have got to repent. We've got to ask the Lord, forgive us because uh, God loves Ishmael. God, Rita, how crazy is this? That God made promises to Ishmael? Ishmael, he was the first, he was the first pre, he was the first pre-named person in the Bible before he was born. God loved Ishmael so much that he gave him a name before he came out of the womb. That's remarkable. He made promises to Ishmael. You know, the Muslim people are living with promises from God. And you know what happens, Rita? When, uh, when, and, and there's plenty of testimonies about Jesus showing up at the foot of the bed of Muslim yes. people, waking them up in their sleep. They see the Jewish Messiah, they go from hating Israel and hating the Messiah to loving the Messiah and loving Israel. It's remarkable. Woe to those of us who carry hatred in our hearts against any people group, especially the Arabs when you're looking at this Middle East situation. And woe to us who have hatred in our heart towards Israel or the Jewish people. What do you do with scriptures like, he who touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. Uh, (laughs) You're a mom. I'm a dad. We love people that love our children for no reason. But when we see our children being abused, either physically or verbally by somebody, man, let me tell you what, our God-given anger comes out because they're our kids, the ones the Lord's entrusted to us. That's how God feels about Israel. It's how he feels about Israel. Anybody who looked to him as father, but he calls Israel my firstborn son. (laughs) That's what God calls Israel. Woe to us who discount them because they're um, they're not living in the fulfillment of every promise that God has made to them yet. Man, I'm well, sorry. I feel like I'm, I'm just talking. Biblically stating, there are enough wars in the Old Testament to... Yeah. to basically have factual kind of, you know, to look to see when someone comes up against that, that nation that God loves, wars happen and God yeah. protects that nation. I think, you know, the one thing that I, I um, was epic for me, it was probably the, my most iconic moments um, in Israel was being um, in, I think it's the garden um because you're, you're the Gethsemane sits on that hill, and you're you're kind of looking down that viewpoint of that eastern gate. Yeah, and um, and correct me if I'm wrong with with um, uh, 
my memory here, but that Eastern gate has been closed up because the Muslims control that side of it. And they, they put that uh, graveyard in front That's of right. that gate where, where scripture says that when Jesus returns, he's going to return through that Eastern gate. The thing that was so provoking to me standing there when that information was first released was that evil and people that don't understand um, or don't believe in, in, in uh, Christ or in God in any way, shape, or form, evil in terms of, of terrorists and all, they still understand power, the power of God. Yeah. And so when I, when I was looking down and thinking, the, the Muslims control that, the Muslims don't have a belief in um, the God of Israel. They obviously believe in Allah, um, their own God, but they're so afraid of this prophet guy named Jesus that to keep him out from that Eastern gate, just in case, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like just in case he really is real and he really does come through the Eastern gate, let's put a graveyard here because no rabbi would ever walk desecrating himself through a graveyard to enter into a city. And and I always just thought that was just one of the most powerful details of standing on that, on standing on that mountain from the Garden of Gethsemane, looking down to the Eastern Gate, thinking the power of, of truth, the power of the one true God is that even those that do not believe that have heard the stories still take in what if yeah. he's actually true. And let's take every precaution we can, even with the, uh, the the horrible atrocities with um, Hamas in in um, in the strip. It's like they have to know that they're coming against God, and there has to be there has to be some sense of trembling because even hell trembles at the mention of His name. That's right. That's right. You know, it's it's so interesting to me that more than any other name, since you mentioned tremble at his name, more than any other name in scripture, the Lord is referred to as Adonai Tsevaot, which is the God of armies or the Lord of hosts. Isn't it interesting that that's his, I mean, he's got many, many names, but that yeah. one name far surpasses any other name in scripture uh, by which he's uh, called. The Lord of hosts. So that name implies that, first of all, our Lord uh, never, uh, never has lost a battle, yeah. right? Yeah. He, is, he will be victorious. The devil knows that. And every, no wonder. Yeah. So you think a graveyard in front of the Eastern gate is going to keep the Lord of hosts yeah. out of entering the city. It's really cool that that's the, that's the, the place that stands out to you um, as, as one of the highlights of the trip, Rita. Interestingly, I felt like the Lord gave me this revelation. I'd never heard anybody say it before. Uh, and if they have, that's great. But Jesus wept three times in scripture, one of which was in the garden. So he wept. Yeah. He wept over Lazarus. He wept in the garden and he wept over Jerusalem. So he weeps over Lazarus mm -hmm. <clears throat> and Lazarus is, is raised from the dead. He weeps in the garden. Hebrews 5 says with loud crying and tears because of what was coming. Yeah. Right. And he resurrects. <laughs> right. And then 
He weeps over Jerusalem, and many, many people think, as maybe the devil does, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. I'm going to wipe Jerusalem out. But no, God says that all Israel shall be saved. There's a resurrection coming for Jerusalem that will uh, ultimately and completely put an end to to the enemy. I'm sure we're going to call, you know, the Lord, the Lord of hosts throughout eternity, but the battling is one day going to be ended to where there's there's no more war against the enemy because he's going to be done yeah. forever. Yeah. And that that happens when the Lord returns. So I I just really feel like ultimately the land, the people, I mean if the devil can destroy that, he 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 prolongs his rule. So, oh, yeah. I, I'm like just even even sitting here and talking to you, it just, it, it like it, it burdens my heart, not for people to be pro Israel, but for people to be pro God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't need flag waving people. Yeah. I get it. I don't mind it. Wave the flags of whatever country you're from. But if we're not waving the kingdom flag, the flag of God's heart, the kingdom, praying his kingdom come, you know, not not waving the American flag saying America can do no wrong or the Israel flag saying Israel can do no wrong. Israel needs the Lord as much as America does. The government, any government that doesn't yeah. have the Lord leading it is ultimately a yeah. corrupt government. I'm not saying Israel can do no wrong. What I am saying is, man, let the people of God cry out for his government to, to be the, the ruling government. That only happens when he comes back. And it's so interesting that, um, that God's waiting. He's just yeah. simply waiting, just like David waited, for his people to, to cry out and say, return, O king. And, and Rita, a lot of that has to do with the church. Yeah. Because Romans 11 says, salvation's come to the nations. Yeah. You, me, every ethnicity, salvation's come to the nations to provoke Israel to jealousy. And unfor- that's Romans 11, I think maybe verse 11. But unfortunately, throughout church history, we've provoked Israel to anger. There's no better time that right now, in the midst of Israel's darkest hour since the Holocaust, <laughs> their yeah. darkest hour, for we, the church, Jew and Gentile alike, to provoke them to jealousy. They need to look and say, you've got something that I need. You've got something that I want. You've got something that actually our forefathers had. And now we are hungry for. Yeah. They don't need, they don't need the, who did I read? Uh, uh, Chrysostoms. They don't need the Martin Luthers. They don't need yeah. Peter the Venerables. They need sons and daughters who, like the word says, uh, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah. That's Psalm 122. Isaiah 62. Give God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. We have been, uh, we've been entrusted by God to reveal his son to the people of Israel through our love, through our praying, through our heart, which embraces the Lord's heart for all peoples. Man, Man, wow. <sighs> yeah. may the church arise in this hour. 
You know, um, when I text you last week, I think it's, it, to me, it was such a little bit of a, I don't know, just a, uh, an insight for, for younger people, because I, there's a worship leader that I know that, you know, just had asked the question, you know, yeah, of course I, I pray for Israel, but, but she didn't really even understand why we were praying for Israel outside of, well, yeah, it's, it's a biblical place and whatever. And, and I just kind of, you know, kind of comically got on her a bit with, you need to love Israel. You need to understand facts. You need to, you know, and so we had a couple conversations about it. And honestly, she just really is a lover of Jesus mm. and, and really just, you know, honestly was like, no, like, I, like, I want to know, you know, and, and then she has this dream and I just thought, wow, what an amazing kind of, cause she, she had that dream that I sent you where she didn't understand it at all, but she's telling me the stream and I'm like, no, that's the key drawn Valley. What you're dreaming about it's I've been there. I, and I, you know, I thought about that later and I just felt like the, the Lord was like, I am ready to give dreams and visions to a younger generation to mm. teach them and show them how to pray for their inheritance in the land of Israel. I'm waiting to walk them through the illustration and to walk them through the mercy and to walk them through the understanding of why I call them, you know, uh, uh, people that, that my heart is after, you know, just like I call Israel that. And I just thought, wow, how kind of God to just show this young 20 something kid that loves the Lord with all her heart that just didn't ha just hasn't been educated about it, you know, and kind of stands in more of a balance, kind of like, I'm not going to get on that side. I'm not going to get on this side, which is very, uh, a young approach to things right now. You know, you're right. Most of them are like justice centered. And if that justice centered in any way, shape or form has any side you know, under duress, it's like, well, we're on that side now because, you know, it's a justice mentality, but to just go to sleep and God give her this precious dream that wasn't like some pro-Israel dream. It was right. just this beautiful articulation of dry bones coming to life. And, <sighs> and I just was like, man, Lord. And I just felt his invitation for gen for this new generation to just be like, what if you have questions, come to me, ask me what you need to know about the, the, the nation that I called my own. Ask me, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you dreams. I'll give you visions. I'll, I'll let you know where my opinion is. And I, I think that's so important. I mean, I, I talk a lot about how my favorite word in the English language is balance because I saw Jesus walk with such a balance. You know, he didn't, you know, he knew what to say, when to say it, and he knew when to hold his tongue, and he knew when to sail away, and he knew when to feed a crowd. He knew how to balance himself into giving people what they needed. And when we walk with a kind of a centered balance of, okay, Lord, this feels weird. This feels, this feels like a hotbed of coals right here, but I feel like there's passion behind that. And there's righteousness behind this. And there's justice in this. Where's the balance to see right down the center 
to never let go of your hand in the process of understanding. And I just wish more Christians, more mothers and fathers would, would really be willing to sit down and talk about this stuff with a, a generation that's up and coming that only knows, knows the voice of opinion through social media, yeah. as opposed to the actual facts, biblical facts in the, in the word of God that say, this is why I've chosen that, 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 uh, that nation. This is why I, I gave my all to that. This is why it's through that seed that I set my son. You know, I love that. Yeah. I love that Rita. You know, I'm, I'm 58, almost 59. Uh, and as a Jewish man, I did not have an understanding of Israel until he revealed himself to yeah. me in a supernatural way. So if I, as a Jewish person could be so ignorant of God's heart for Israel. I never, like I never, I, I totally understand why people who don't have a Jewish heritage um, and even some who do like, like I yeah. could be, could not have this heart. Um, I'm blown away that you have this heart. I love it. I think that that's such a, it's, it's, it's just so beautiful to me. But I would, I'd love to just address for those who may be watching or listening to us, if you don't carry this heart, don't feel condemned by it. Yeah. But here's what I would encourage all of us to do. Let's just be biblical. The Bible says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It also says to, you know, it says pray, pray for your enemies and those who yeah. persecute you. Why would you, why would you pray for them? Because that's the Jesus way. Because when we pray for something that we might not have any kind of affinity towards God gives us his heart for our enemies, for those who yes. persecute us. He gives us his heart. Let's just, let's just commit ourselves. Lord, I don't understand. Yeah. It's in your word. I don't even know what I'm praying, but I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May you have your way yeah. in Jerusalem, even though I don't understand it. As soon as we enter into a biblical posture, our hearts become open to his heart. And I flat out guarantee you that if you're someone who has a heart after God, you're going to, you're going to have his heart. You're going to have his heart towards those who persecute you towards those who've done you wrong to those who've stolen against you yeah. and to Israel. So I really, uh, I really believe that even as your heart is to see, especially this younger generation, uh, really grab hold to God's heart for Israel. I'm going to be believing with you yeah. that, uh, th there's going to be new songs coming, uh, from you, from those in the worship community, not songs about waving flags as much yeah. as songs about embracing God's heart in this hour for his people. That worship, by the way, the first time worship is mentioned in scripture <laughs> is Genesis 22, where God asks Abraham to offer up his son yeah. as a sacrifice. And isn't it interesting that if there was no lineage after Abraham, there'd be no Jesus. And yeah. that's the very place where worship is instituted, the first place yeah. in scripture. Abraham worshiped, worshiped, and you know what? He worshiped and God gave Abraham his son back. Maybe through worship, as yeah. we're giving our most precious com commodities to God, where Israel is concerned, maybe through our worship and our willingness to lay aside those things that we think are precious 
in order for God to show us those things that are most precious to him, maybe through that worship, his son, his son will return to the very place. Interestingly, Rita, the Lord's son gave his life on the very mountains of Moriah where Abraham offered his son. So God gave Abraham his son back and in place of that gave his son, Jesus, to die in that very region, the mountains of Moriah. And that's where the Lord's coming back to. So I so good. I just really pray for those that are listening. If you don't have a burden for Israel, just cry out to God, yeah. Lord, give me your yeah, heart. Absolutely. Give me your heart. I, I put, I give this to you. I don't understand it. Yeah. And, and Rita, it's never hypocritical to pray for something that you don't have a burden for because yeah. the, the, you know, the, the devil's going to use that. Oh, you're being a hypocrite. You really don't have a burden for that. Well, in order for us to have God's burdens, let's just pray God's prayers. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I know that the, the, uh, podcast that I'm doing is, is, is called, you know, worship is my weapon. And it's so just listening to you in this last five minutes of what you're saying, it's like intercession is such a weapon. It's such a worshiping weapon, even of understanding. And, and yes. what we don't understand, we go to the Lord to find understanding. And I, I just, yeah, I just encourage people to, that don't understand it, just to go to the Lord and ask the Lord to give them an understanding and just do the simplest thing that you don't even, that you, you may not even fully realize what you're doing when you're just like, Lord, just put peace over Israel. Yeah. You know? I love it. <laughs> just put peace it. in Jerusalem, bring peace to yeah. Jerusalem. You know, you may not know what you're, you're, you're praying, but, but the scriptures know what you're praying and mm-hmm. God knows what you're praying. And I just, I don't know. I'd rather see us in unity um, fighting collectively on the side of the Lord than on the side of all of this opinion that breaks us down, separates us and has us, you know, just at, at, at odds with each other. It's just, it's insane. It's we're living in an insane time right now. We're living in an insane time for sure. And it's through, it's through the chaos. Remember, remember Genesis one chaos. God was hovering over the waters And I believe he's hovering. Yeah. I believe he's hovering to speak his life in the midst of this chaos and insanity. And uh, may we see it, Lord. Yeah, may we see it. That's so good. Well, thanks so much, Scott, for just being here and being willing to talk about it. Um, Thank you, Rita, for having me. Really, I consider it a blessing and an honor. And I love you. I love all that the Lord's called you to do. And I pray that, um, that your heart where Israel is concerned, would be adequately communicated to all those that are listening. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Scott. Love you guys.